Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So if you can just kind of touch on that for anyone who is, as a woman, you're single out there and you're trying to date, you're very successful and you have constantly often run into this roadblock of the man is so intimidated by you because of your success. I think that, and, and this is a question I get asked a lot, mm-hmm. you know, for the ladies that are listening, you also have to make a list of who you would want to be in relationship. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Who Can Relate. Today, as always, I have a very special guest for you guys and we're gonna be giving you plenty of good stuff. So allow me to introduce my guest, Dr. Nita Bushin. She's a founder of Global Grid Institute, a former cosmetic dentist turned best-selling author. As I like what she gave me, which is she decided to turn smiles, transform them from the inside out. International speaker, serial entrepreneur, advocate of emotional health, leadership coach, among many other things. Um, And she decided to leave her seven-figure dental practice job (laughs) to pursue her true passion and her purpose in life, which has also led her to over 45 countries. And uh, there's many, many, many more things I can add on to this list that we're going to get into in the episode. But without further ado, Dr. Nita Bushin, welcome to Who Can Relate. Wow. Super excited to be here. Thank you so much. Of course. It's an honor and I appreciate your time as I know you're a busy woman. (laughs) So a little bit more background for everybody. Um, One of my favorite things that I didn't mention here because I waited for this is you are a fellow Chicagoan. That's right. For sure. That's right. Um, And again, all things um, Chicago as we talked about, I think the first time we talked, you know, we kind of reminisced and and you actually are a rare Chicagoan because you're from the city. Oh, I'm from the city. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every, I'm from the suburbs. I, everyone always says I'm from Chicago, yeah, you, and it's you like know, it, it doesn't where? count. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> it doesn't count. I'm like, oh, you're from? The, oh, you're a city girl. Okay, um, but yeah. So, anything else you want to add um, aside from uh, that? Yeah, I mean, I guess lover of life. Yeah, and uh, I, yeah, mama. Yeah, you're a mom. You're a wife. It's true. Yeah, we'll it's get true. into all that. You will. Uh, but today, the the main topics are 
um, and I can't wait for people to hear your story, is overcoming challenges. Um, what I also find very fascinating that you offer is this incredible balance of work-life balance, which mm. please teach us all. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be talking about just self-care, self-love, and um, self-awareness. But again, let's start with a little bit more of your detailed personal background story, which again will in turn lead us to overcoming challenges because I know you overcame a lot. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Uh, you know, it's, and thank you for that, Justin. Sure. I think that a lot of times, you know, each of us have our own journeys and each yeah. of us have our own stories into how we now do the things that we do. Yeah. And uh, for me, that journey started out really young. Like mm. I was, uh, first I was, I was born and raised by, you know, immigrant parents. My mother was from the Philippines and my father was from India. Okay. And, uh, you know, it, it was this rigorous kind of upbringing of educational drive and yeah. success and all of these things. And I was the oldest of two younger brothers. Wow. And so, um, but, you know, at the age of 10 years old, I had to grow up fast because I became, you know, a child caretaker to... Mm my mom and uh, my mom fell sick. She was diagnosed with breast cancer and uh, she battled um, you know, this illness for about six years. Okay. So she was in and out of the hospital pretty much my you know, uh, high school years. Wow. Uh, I was almost entering my junior year of high school when she passed, you know, okay. I was 16 years old. So, yeah. and she was sick. You said you were 10 to 16. Yeah. Jeez. So, okay. I mean, you know, thinking about after school, hanging out with friends, dating boys, yeah. all of those things that was not in my, you know, periphery. Yeah. It wasn't in my environment at all. Yeah. You know, it was like friends came to the hospital and yeah. I would perform, you know, I, I would, dancing was part of our culture so mm. I would dance and play the piano and do all these things um, and I knew some of those things that would make her happy which yeah. was getting straight A's Sure. performing, getting these accolades because I knew that would take the tension away from what she was actually going through. Sure. So when she passed um, a year later uh, my brother actually was meeting me. He went to a different high school than I did uh, and he's walking towards my school because we were going to meet for uh, homecoming. Mm -hmm. And uh, he never made it because he actually had a severe asthma attack. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so he collapsed uh, in front of the school. Oh my God. And uh, they tried to revive him three mm -hmm. times mm -hmm. uh, in the ambulance. And, you know, he wasn't, he was healthy. Uh, sure. And so. That was an unexpected loss yeah. um, that, you know, to this day still shakes me up. Sure. Uh, and for my father, who this was immediately a year after my mom passed away, yeah. and it was on my youngest brother's, you know, 12th birthday. So mm. there were so many emotions and yeah. just we were paralyzed. We were sure. paralyzed with uh, all of this tremendous trauma and grief. And so it really took my dad by storm. Um, he never quite fully recovered from it, which meant that I needed to step up. Yeah. I couldn't go away. It was my senior year. Um, I couldn't go away for college. I had to stay in Chicago. You know, I applied to all of these amazing schools. I got in, but I was taught that, you know, family comes first, sure. that your happiness doesn't matter because... Right your respect to your culture and your family is like the number one priority. Yeah. 
I had to take care of the two boys in the house, which were my little brother and sure. my dad. Yeah. And that meant that I took up on, you know, three jobs wow. uh, just to support my family. Uh, so it wow. was it was tough times. Um, I mean, you know, fast forward. I wish I could say that's that's it, but yeah. uh, there's more. Yeah. Um, but fast forward to two years later uh, and we were really starting to heal and come out of this like mm-hmm. dark cloud that mm-hmm. was that just seemed never ending. Sure. Um, and we got the diagnosis that my father uh, had uh, type four lung cancer, mm-hmm. and or stage four, yeah. stage four lung cancer, mm-hmm. uh, and he only had nine months to live. From the moment you found out. Oh yeah, oh. yeah. So, so we two years removed from losing your mom, losing your middle brother. Yeah. And then your, your dad gets diagnosed stage four and they say he's got nine months. Yeah. They couldn't operate on his lungs. He was a smoker for 30 years. I mean, okay. it was just, it was yeah. so many of those things. And you're 18 at this time. And at this point I'm 18. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I just want to pause for a second because I, I really want to make sure we all grasp that's hap- everything's happening. So you lose your mom at 16. Yeah. You lose your brother. Mm-hmm. A year later, so all those hopes and dreams again, as you said, put to the side. You have your dad. You guys are finally, like you said, the sun's starting to peek out. Sure. And then you get the news with your dad. What is going through your mind at this point, knowing you're gonna, your dad will be gone in nine months. Now it's just gonna end up being you and your little brother, who is uh, 14 at this time, give or take. Uh, he was, yeah, he was 13. 13. Try to, if, if you can, I, wanna, I want you to walk me through your mental psyche. You know, when I remember this vividly, and I, I share the, the whole story in, in a bunch of talks, sure. um, but I think the, the biggest thing was, because I was, a, I was a biology student at the time. Yes, yeah. And I was, a, you know, I was pre-med or, you know, pre-dental, but yeah. I was pre-health. And I remember thinking I knew it all because I was that rebel, you know, teen that I I literally immersed myself in so much health and, you know, things like that. And so I I was questioning the doctors. I was questioning everything because there was just anger that came up. Like, not again. No, you're kidding me. Like, no, I'm not. This can't be happening. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to believe it. Mm. And in actuality, my father didn't even believe it because he was at the, the healthiest point of his life. He had like he was jogging six miles a day. Wow. Yeah. And he was in like the best shape sure. of his life. So he's like, there's there's no way this yeah. is happening. Yeah. So it took us a while for us as a family to really cope and believe. Because yeah. I think there's, you know, the seven stages of grief, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where there's anger, there's denial. We were sure. definitely in denial. Sure. Um, and I, I don't think we really, like, I couldn't even fathom that uh, I w- we were going to lose him. There was, yeah. there was mm. I don't think that even came into my purview until he was actually admitted to the ICU. And mind sure. you, my mother spent a year and a half in the ICU. Mm. My father was uh, in the ICU for about t- two months before wow. he passed. So I, I don't <laughs> like hospitals very much. Yeah, sure. uh, Talk about a trigger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. So, I mean, again, you're, you're sitting here like, why me? This can't, you're in denial. This can't be happening. Oh, yeah. Full victim um, yeah. state. Yeah. Definitely. And so you, your dad passes, and now it's just you and your youngest brother. 
when at, at 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 what point was it a realization like okay i can't play the victim role anymore this is the worst news ever but it's happened mm-hmm. you know I, I i i've been saying this on a couple episodes where um which i find fascinating bad news is actually more acceptable than uncertainty because at least you know there's nothing i can do about this mm-hmm. you can't bring your parents back you can't bring your middle brother back at least the uncertainty is not like oh your dad's doing good but he may not be it is what it is. So now you know how to deal with it and cope with it, et cetera. But at what point, and maybe if you could attest it to someone or something, some experience that you had that you're like, okay, I'm not going to be the victim anymore. I have to do this for myself. I have to do this for my youngest brother and we will get through this. Yeah. I think I just, I had no choice Mm. and we, uh, as a family had no choice. Like it was instilled in us culturally that, Uh, education and drive and educational drive and success was everything was Mm -hmm. paramount and so while my mom was sick while my father was sick I still remembered I was you know I was taking like biochemistry uh, when my father was was sick and ill and I I I contemplated should I drop this class because we knew that end was near sure Um, I didn't want to do it yeah I was like this there's, there's no way I can't, I can't drop a class. Sure. You know, this is coming from the girl who still strived for excellence in everything. Cause that's just what I was yeah, no in, ingrained with. Right. Yeah, yeah. So after my dad passes, it was almost instant mm-hmm. that there was no choice. I yeah. wasn't going to not just let, um, I guess in many ways, the ghost of, of, of their past or, or sure. their, their spirit. I sure. wouldn't let them down. Yeah. And I would work even harder. Like that became my motivation. Absolutely. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, I was just watching the last dance the other day. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> Chicago. I know. Chicago. Everything. I mean, I grew up in the nineties. Like yeah. that was, that was basketball. That was my thing. Yeah. And especially that was a thing for our household with my yeah. dad. That was the one thing we bonded on. So sure. for me to even watch that and to see hit, like, Michael Jordan's Mm -hmm. view of just determination and success. Mm -hmm. You know, I think for myself, it was, I I didn't want anybody to feel bad for us. And I wanted to, in many ways, prove them. And that was my, that competitive edge Mm -hmm. that came, that came on. Like, I don't want them, I don't want people and our, you know, to think or our society to think, oh, look at them. Look at what's happened. Poor girl. Yeah. Poor poor boy. Yeah, exactly. And so that just made the drive even Mm. um, more of a more of and even a coping mechanism, to be honest. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Did your youngest brother kind of pick up that same trait or was he struggling maybe longer or worse than you? Yeah, I mean, obviously I, the age was different, but yeah, he was younger okay. and he was about 14 when he was, when mm-hmm. he was orphaned. Right. Uh, and so I think that because so many people, um, were, were really concerned about his mental health yeah, and was really concerned about, oh my gosh, he, you know, he's lost three members of his family yeah, in two years and change. Yeah. Yeah. And mm. so I think that, you know, there was, there was a lot of, there was a pass, you yeah. know, and I don't want to speak on his behalf. Sure, sure. Um, but I think that, you know, he was, he was overloved and he yeah. was, 
uh, like we were raised by a lot, a lot of times by all of our aunts and our, our grandmother. Sure. And so everyone, <laughs> oh yeah, it was like, it takes a village. Yeah, sure. Oh, it totally took a village. I yeah. mean, so I think for my brother, he was still, despite everything, mm-hmm. we were raised by so many, such a loving community okay. where, yeah, I, I, I definitely think that, that I, I don't you. know where we would be if we didn't have that. Sure. Guaranteed. Sure. So you, you, you go through all of these, which a lot of people don't even, I mean, we're all eventually going to lose our parents. We know that. But I mean, before you're 18 years old, uh, no, is, is the odds are not in that favor, right? And so you go through this kind of adversity and these kind of challenges and you lose an, a sibling. You go through all this. So today, is it, I mean, <laughs> people always say it could be worse, right? And so when, when, when life hands you a bad lemon, are you like, this is easy, piece of cake. I've, look, look what I, where I came from and look what I dealt with and I had to overcome. This is nothing. Do you kind of have that mindset of like your tactical method of dealing with things is so specific and, and just like a, a, just a, a layup, if I could use the last dance basketball <laughs> analogy, like this is easy, no problem? Yes, I, I definitely think it's informed a lot of the work that I do yeah. now. Uh, guaranteed. I think the framework that I've used uh, in many of my books, but my first book specifically, Emotional Grit, um, and I use the you know the acronym of grit: mm. grow, reveal, innovate, and transform. And mm. it's that for a reason. I had to, despite all of those things, I had to choose growth. Sure. And of course, there are you know many researchers that have done studies on growth mindset and fixed mindset. Yeah. But really, that for me gave me purpose. It gave me a sense of even a, a reckoning in terms of, okay, um, why this did happen yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, as a young girl, you don't really know. Sure. You just, I had faith and sure. I, I, you know, I, we, we were raised on many faiths. My yeah. dad was Hindu and my mom was Catholic. Mm. We went to the Sikh Gurdwara, which there are a few in, in Chicago. So mm-hmm. we were surrounded by a lot of faith. And yeah. I think also number two, faith was that factor of mm. it brought community, which is why I'm such a big, big, uh, you know, proponent of community, even in um, my settings today. Sure because I think that you cannot go at it alone. There's mm-hmm. no way, like I am not, um, I'm not anybody's hero or shero. Yeah. I had a lot of, you know, external people. And sure. I think that whether people are doing, getting a new idea for the first time or mm-hmm. jumping out on their own or, or doing something new, leaving a relationship, starting or, yeah. you know, starting a family on their own or with somebody else, they, they need, they need support to do that. Sure. And so I think that, as you say, as you know, as life hands us lemons, mm-hmm. uh, for me, my life has been attributed to a lot of grit, sure. a lot of tenacity, a lot of resilience. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, how I deal with things now, mm-hmm. it's 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 actually. I would probably say it's because of all of those things that I've been through, hands sure. down, a hundred percent. Sure. You, you mentioned the word support, and I'm sure your husband plays a, plays a big role in that now for you, right? He is probably, I'm sure he wears a lot of hats. He's probably his own community, right, <laughs> of, of support for you. And, you know, I, I guess, and this is a perfect segue, you know, in, in someone who has the accolades that you do and, and, and all that's on your resume and all the hats that you wear, 
and you also like hats to wear, right? I do but, like hats. <laughs> <laughs> Not today. Um, my, my question is, how do you and your husband, how do you guys find that work-life balance? You know, I know, I know everybody's different, right? Again, you, you have a little boy who's three. He is almost two. Almost two. Sorry, Almost I always two. think he's older. Maybe yeah. because he's tall and he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's so like photogenic. Oh no, he he yeah, his features <laughs> are already there. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but how do you guys find that work-life balance? That's that's something you know whether you're married or not, everyone struggles with. And and what was kind of the trial and error process for it? Oh man. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> guys, if I were to share one thing, that means, and that is really that that work-life balance. It, doesn't really exist. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to break it to you guys because sure. as a as a mama, mm-hmm. um, you know, when I was pregnant, I wrote my our our, our third book. Okay. Um, and so so yes, my husband and I are co-creators together. We run a business together. We are co-authors together in in a few books, and we, we co-hosts for we, podcasts. We are I co-hosts mean, yeah. for podcasts, and and also yeah, we we co-parent our yeah. son. So whew, to say all of that is, yeah. is a lot of things. And I think that, you know, this goes down to what constitutes uh, a really juicy relationship. Sure. That's uh, a big one for my husband and I. We both were married before. Okay. Coming into this partnership and this relationship, mm-hmm. uh, we knew what were non-negotiables sure. that were not going to be, yeah. you know, something that we were each of us were going to tolerate. Sure. Uh, and we also knew that we're both very ambitious beings. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, you know, he's so supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, it's 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 definitely based on his upbringing of what yeah. he saw in his parents, mm-hmm. um, and what he wanted to really attain for his you know, his ideal partner. Mm -hmm. And so we would have these conversations about all of these things, you know, what we thought about finances, what we thought about, um, how to problem solve, Mm. uh, in relationship, even before we got together, just as friends. Uh, and I think, you know, getting together now and having all of the layers and different kind of, uh, segments of our relationship, Mm -hmm. Being able to have these conversations of, okay, whose lane is what lane? Mm. And understanding that uh, we're, it's not going to be balanced all the time, yeah. but how do you balance yourself in messiness, in times of chaos? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, in the, in the deadlines that you have to do, especially if you are, uh, you know, an entrepreneur that has sure. several different things going on all at the same time. Yeah. It's a lot, it's a yeah. lot of stress, but I think the biggest thing is communication. Mm. Like we check in, we actually have, um, a process that we do in our home okay. where, uh, every night, no yeah. matter what, if he's having a boy's night, if I have a girl's night, yeah. if, you know, we're having friends over, family over. Mm-hmm. we always check in and we're like, okay, what's your three big wins? Mm. And basically it's our gratitude practice uh, where no matter what, he's probably like almost dead asleep, <laughs> but he'll know and he'll tap me. Yeah. Okay, babe, your three big wins, Aww, you know? I love it. So we'll it's do great. that because it really centers us. Sure. Uh, even in the midst of the chaos or mm. maybe if we had a little, you know, scuffle sure. or disagreement, which of course happens of course. in relationships. And I think that's a good thing, but I think that's what centers us because mm. it brings us back to 
okay, looking for the great moments in the day. Sure. Even if you're riding through some crazy things. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. last year was crazy. We, you know, yeah. we launched my husband's uh, book. It's, yeah. It was his fourth book or his third, his third book while I was giving birth. So it was banana. It was bananas. Sure, sure, it was bananas. Sure. But even during that time, mm. uh, we were still able to just commit to that ritual for yeah. us to do as a as a couple. Sure. Yeah. So and you mentioned that it it brings you back to center, but it brings you guys together. Oh, Again, absolutely. You know, if if like you said, you go through a scuffle and there's a there's a rough day, a, a bad patch there, but it brings you together no matter what. And there's that understanding, that agreement. Um, and communication is so key. And as, as I've learned um, and continue to learn, that communication is a two-way street. It's not just a one-way street. My, my wife, we used to, you know, our, our scuffles. Um, now I can laugh about it. She can too. But back then, no one was laughing. And basically, I used to have this idea that I would do everything I could to explain my perspective and my side on the matter, on the, on the same event. And once you understood it, we were done. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, right? Yeah. Okay, so you got it. You, you understand what I'm saying. So we're done now. We can all go on, right? And she's like, wait, no. <laughs> and she taught me that, you know, you can have two different experiences in the same event. And as much as you want me to listen to you, you have to listen to me. And I've always known this, which is easier said than done. But you really have to try to have this hindsight in the moment of listen to understand. Stop listening to reply. Because mm. I used to always, you know, I'm like, Kevin Hart, are you done? Are you done? Are you done? You know, in, in a sense, you know, I was like, is it my turn to talk now? But then I'm not retaining anything that she's saying to me. Right. And so, again, two-way street for everyone out there. Communication, two-way. Listen to understand. Don't listen to reply. And I love the nighttime routine. I definitely, we have our own little gratitude practice that is more or less what you guys do. Mm-hmm. But we do it within ourselves before we go to sleep and, you know, in our mm-hmm. head. But I definitely will, I'll implement that in our, in our relationship. So I, good. I love it. So good. Um, so you, you said that your, your husband was married before you were married before so there was a dating process right for you guys and you definitely knew more so than ever what what's not going to work right oh absolutely <laughs> you know you're, you're open to the what will work but you're like i have a hard no as you said i got some brown some boundaries some deal breakers so you were did you, you had your dental practice before you met your husband mm-hmm. perfect i bring that up because you were already very successful mm-hmm there's a lot of women out here who are very successful at their respectful jobs. And when they are dating, they find it very difficult for men to accept their, not just independence, but their success. You know, a lot of men, which, which speaks to the, men, the, the man's insecurity, right? He doesn't know where to get in where he fits in. He doesn't know what lane to, to maneuver through. And he finds a very successful woman very intimidating. So if you can just kind of touch on that for anyone who is, as a woman, you're single out there and you're trying to date, you're very successful and you have constantly often run into this roadblock of the man is so intimidated by you because of your success. Ooh, okay. Uh, (laughs) Big, big question. Yeah. I think that, and and this is a question I get asked a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, for the ladies that are listening, you also have to make a list of who you would want to be in relationship, Mm. who you are in relationship. Because I think the biggest thing is we as successful women, and I'm, I'm so guilty of this myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, we think that the way that we are going to act in our business Mm -hmm. is the same as we're going to act in our relationship. Yeah. And that's honestly not true. Where does that come from? 
I think that's just biological. Okay. Like we want to, and, and this is, you know, I take this from uh, one of my dearest mentors in this space. It, it's Alison Armstrong. She has a lot of books and she's done so much research in this area, mm. but really it's, and Esther Perel, I'm yeah. sure everybody knows, yeah. um, also has has really looked into the polarity and why relationships work, right? But if we're treating our relationships as, you know, our business and we're the CEO of our business, but in actuality, what we want to do when Mm -hmm. we come home, we want to come home to somebody who's going to love us, adore us. Like, I don't want to be, you know, barking. Yeah, I don't want to be barking around my my guy. I want him to be firm and stand strong in who he is. and be able to let me soften up because I think it has it's a matter of that masculine energy which we all have you know and I think in certain environments you bring that masculine energy on right and I think that's what happens a lot of times with uh, masculine and feminine energy if there's too much of that right we as 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 type A women, mm-hmm. there there is that masculine energy that comes yeah. into play. Yeah. But there's a reason why lingerie and you know mm. all of these other ways to kind of soften back up into mm. how you really want to be in a relationship: playful, fun, sure. loving, yeah. like all of those characteristics. Yeah. And it's exhausting if yeah. you have to wear this like I am strong armor all the time. All the time. Yeah. It's exhausting, you guys. Sure. And and I know many of the women can relate because mm-hmm. there there was a time where I was hurt and mm-hmm. I was walking around with my heart on my sleeve and and thinking, you know, all men were whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. You know, and, yeah. and, and and it's only because I was hurt and I had my guard up. Sure. Uh, but I think that and I actually even ladies don't ever do this and I've shared this in my talks as well. <laughs> uh, I made a spreadsheet. Okay. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> should have started with that. Make a spreadsheet. There's, there's the life hack. Oh boy, I love uh, it. I love it. So, so the title would be <laughs> not to make a spreadsheet, but but I did. Yeah, and there yeah. was it was a slew where I went on dates, um, mm-hmm. and it was I don't know. I gave myself sixty days. And I remember this, and it was before I met my now husband, yeah. uh, 60 days, but I was going to date. I was going to date mm-hmm. as many people as possible for, for, for those 60 days. And I, okay. was, and I think it was, I don't know, at least maybe 25 guys or something like that who made it to this list. You were busy. Oh, yeah, I was busy. I was busy. <laughs> and I was, you know, I was, I was ready. I, was, I, I had done all of this sure, work. I wanted sure. to practice all of these things. Yeah, of course. And so in my research brain, because mm-hmm. mind you, I was already doing research for my book. Yeah, so yeah. my research brain goes into this thinking yeah. that okay love you know here are the characteristics sure. ambition uh you know have they are they are they growth centered yeah. what books have they read like all of these things sure and on a scale of one to ten mm. yeah in wow. each of these categories i was bananas okay wow. don't do this i was bananas but it worked but no <laughs> oh it didn't work no no what happened was i was not um, taking that attraction into account, mm. and none. You're just of, going off of the. Oh, I was going off of the Excel spreadsheet. spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, I should like this person. Mm. Why am I not attracted to this person? Because it was yeah. all logical. Sure. It was very masculine because I was mm. organizing and putting all of these things together, right? Yeah. And guess who never made it on the list? <laughs> My now husband. Oh, God. 
sure. and we joke about this all the time, yeah, you know, yeah. and he'll say it in his, in his big talks. And yeah. of course, you know, it's we have to, story. it's a great story, but yeah. so ladies don't ever do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think, I think there's a, a reason why really strong women are looking yeah. for strong men. Sure. And of course there is that intimidation factor. Yeah. But I think then if those men are intimidated mm-hmm. by you, are mm-hmm. you also are you are you also hiding your heart because you were hurt before? Sure. I think what who we are we bring into that relationship. Like mm. I knew I wanted my husband to be honest. So yeah. who I, who did I need to be in relationship? I needed to be honest yeah. first. Yeah. If I wanted my husband to be vulnerable, what did I need to bring into that relationship? I needed to bring in vulnerability as well. I needed to be vulnerable. So I think it's the kind of opposite thing that you would actually do Mm. in Mm. terms of your go-getting inside of your business. You would really kind of take the opposite approach because as... Yeah. And be. I was gonna say, pr- apply the human element to your, the spreadsheet. Make make sure <laughs> make sure you do that. Right, that's in the fine print. The human element component is is important, whether it's in the fine print or not. But it has to be at the forefront. But you, you mentioned, um, you know, you had done all this work, and now you're like almost speed dating, right? In in, in a sense, because and, and I actually did this. I, I can definitely relate because um, I my. Um, start and the brunt of all my self work was the book attached. Mm. Um, if you've ever read yes, it, yeah, it's absolutely. great. It's and, great um, highly recommended for everyone. Mm. I'll, I'll put in the notes, but, um, I bring up the attached and, and all your work because, and unless you had the self-awareness, unless your now husband had the self-awareness, right? Who knows what would have happened? So for, again, for the women out there who are dating, who are very successful and you guys are dating these insecure men in in a sense who aren't self-aware right they're like trying to get in where they fit in but it's like no no no. i just want to come in and compliment your life i want to come in and add value to what you already have going that should be the goal but that takes a man and a woman because i'm sure there's a lot of women who are intimidated by a a man's success but that takes someone who is self-aware and knows that well i mean i want to be with you but it's not like i need you to complete me you know i've already hopefully at that point with all the work I'm self-complete, if you thousand will. percent. Again, through through the self-awareness. So, um, make sure again, ladies, if you're if you're out there listening, you have this this problem. The goal is to try to find someone who is self-aware and understands that. Okay, it's not about getting. We'll figure that out down the road. How can I help you? Mm-hmm. How can I elevate you? Mm-hmm. How can I keep what you already have going? You worked so hard to get. How can I keep that going? And again, add to that. So, um, that's kind of like my little takeaway from it. But I'm sure. And a little bit back to your story, I'm sure throughout the time of, you know, dating and, and the time of, you know, launching your books and your businesses and and obviously um, touching on a little bit of, of how your teenager years were, I'm sure there were moments where you had self-doubt and self-deception and I don't know if I can, do, you know, whatever insecurities, we all go through them, right? Um so I, I just wanted to talk about that. And, and I know we, we talked on a, on a pre-call earlier about, you know, the whole transitioning from one space to the next, yeah. whether it's one career to the next, uh, next, et cetera. And that's where global grit comes into play. Yeah. So let's talk about it. Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, I still remember the day that I knew I 
I, I wanted to leave dentistry and actually sell my practice. Okay. Uh, I had just, you know, got done with a three day uh, medicine journey and mm-hmm. I was, what kind of medicine? Journey? I was a uh, journey work. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that was, that's part of my healing process. And yeah. I remember, um, I remember when I when I did the three day plant medicine journey, which yeah. was ayahuasca. Okay. Um, and you know, many times they say it's you know ten years of therapy in one night. Yes. And I knew that there was something more that I wanted to do. I just didn't know what that looks like. And I know that for many of you listening, you know that there's something more out of you. You're just unsure of what that path was. Sure. Like I knew I was already excelling like our our practice was growing we had already you know gotten funds to build another like extension to uh, our already growing office I was already hiring people I was working less and Mm. our revenues were increasing more simply because of just my leadership Mm. and so and I was speaking more because I had a nonprofit at the time that I was speaking on behalf of and so I was doing a lot more work in terms of motivationally speaking yeah which was taking me away from from the practice of dentistry, mm. right? It was more so me being that linchpin for other the other doctors to really yeah. thrive in this practice. So I was sure. I was you know getting more and more away uh, for yeah. longer periods of time and traveling a lot more. And so uh, so I went on this three day journey, and it was I remember it was in Toronto. Of all places, and usually people go to the Amazon or you know Peru yeah, or yeah, you know yeah. I went to Toronto, yeah. uh, <laughs> so uh, but it was it was powerful mm. and it was so it was just in uh, this this would probably be another episode but sure. I'm just gonna if I would sum it up in one word it was just an awakening yeah. and it was an awakening on so many levels yeah. and what I did you know, later that, uh, I remember I came back on a Monday, mm-hmm. but I remember on that flight back from Toronto to Chicago, I made an entire list. Another spreadsheet? Uh, almost a spreadsheet. <laughs> it was almost a spreadsheet. Yeah. It was probably a Word doc, yeah, but yeah. it was literally a list of all of the things that I needed to do in, in figure out what would it take for me to actually retire from the profession? Because wow. this was towards the end of 2014. Okay. And I made the intention. I said in 2015, I will sell my practice. I don't. Mm. I didn't know how or what sure. or where. Yeah. I didn't know. You know, I knew I needed to figure out my finances yeah. because I, I was always sure in that area before I leaped to do any sort of decisions. Yeah. Um, but it was a it was a lucrative profession. Yeah. yeah. And it was, you know, it was seven figure plus, sure. right? Like life my is good. life is great. Like <laughs> yeah. why would I rock the boat? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was the, you know, I was the poster child for a lot of the younger kids and the pre-health kids in, sure. in my little, you know, society community. and community yeah. where a lot of these kids and they looked up to me and yeah. a lot of their parents were like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, what kind of cult did you join? Sure. What are you, what, what are you? Where's Nita? Yeah. Cause yeah. she wasn't there. What have you done with Right. So there was definitely a lot when you're when you're not getting support from Mm -hmm. your closest people around you. And that was my aunts, my grandmother, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all of these people that they had no idea what I was doing. First of all, Mm. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, I just knew that I needed to leave Chicago and I needed to exit the profession. Um, And so then the universe, you know, God, whomever started to make that way for me. And 
uh, six months into the year of 2015, okay. I sold my practice. Wow. Was there a lot of self-doubt? A ton. Of course. A ton. Are you kidding wow. me? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Um, every single day I was reminded of this decision <laughs> fra- by my, <laughs> by my uh, very amazing aunts and uncles. Sure. And, um, and I, I think they, they just, they wanted to protect me. Yeah. They thought, you know, she had been through so much. Is she doing the right thing? Sure. But she's, she's always been okay. You know, is this just a, a flop? So everyone was like preventing yeah. this whole thing Put from happening. Walls for you. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and I knew that I needed to move to San Francisco. Mm. Uh, I had already. How did you know? So uh, two years prior, and I'll give everyone context. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started an organization, uh, okay. which was called uh, um, Independent Awakening. It was my nonprofit at the the time okay. and to learn more about it because of course I was a research mm-hmm. research mindset right I had a <laughs> I was a psychology major in college uh, so I wanted to learn from the best and there was a um, there was a nonprofit management program at Stanford mm-hmm. and I was still seeing patients I was still a dentist but I um, I went into the program and majority of the teachers were from Silicon Valley and they mm. were talking about uh, you know, they were talking about how to raise funding for your nonprofit. And mind you, I had a very dinky, you know, cute nonprofit yeah, yeah. helping women and girls uh, increase their self-confidence. Mm. And this was throughout, uh, you know, the nation. It was, it went well, and it was really for women of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I wanted to actually learn more of how to how to raise funds. So that was like the context of why I was there. Got it. But I learned much more, um, and that was my first. Uh, kind of entryway into the world of startups mm. because most of the teachers and the professors, hello, it's Stanford and it was Silicon Valley. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was, I was exposed to angel investing. I was exposed mm. to how these founders were pitching their ideas, how they were, uh, you know, it was just a very different world. I was used to medicine, sure. right? So it opened my eyes to so many different opportunities. Again, growth, right? That yeah. G being, um, you know, the growth in grit. Yeah. But then it revealed to me that there's many different ways to lead this life. And I was just kind of on the surface level of that. Yeah. Um, which led me down so many different paths, but it led sure. me to then begin to start creating uh, Global Grit, which mm-hmm. in the first iteration was just a consulting agency. It was mm-hmm. consulting small businesses, which included dentists, sure. it included you know doctors, lawyers' offices, chiropractors' offices, and wellness-based offices mm-hmm. uh, to really expand the reach. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was through traditional settings, right? Now it's evolved to yeah. an entire you know ecosystem and an online university. But back then it was just the doctors wanted to make more money and, and work less. Sure. So I was helping them do that. Uh, but was there doubt in all of this? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, who am I to start this nonprofit? I did yeah. it anyways. <laughs> yeah. uh, who, who is this dentist to start, you know, being a mentor to start up founders in Silicon Valley? That was me. Sure. Uh, I was, you know, I realized that because I was always the big fish in mm. everything that I did in Chicago, bringing people together, getting, you know, top level folks together and females yeah. together because I had lost a community when I walked away from my first marriage. Mm. I had to rebuild that again. Sure. You know, and, and, and obviously that's become part of my story, why community is so important. Yeah. Uh, but that was the indicator that if you go into, uh, you know, a bigger pond mm-hmm. and you are that small fish, just like yeah. I did in San Francisco, yeah. 
your ego will be tested. Yes. Humble pie will be served. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yes. You know, and I thought yeah. I had my seven-figure practice, but sure. according to these giants who were <laughs> raising, you know, hundreds of millions yeah. of dollars, this yeah. was nothing. Yeah. So me as a dentist, of course, there were so many different uh internal battles of, and and of course I was doing research, right? I was Mm -hmm. researching how leaders made better decisions Mm. and what actually contributed to their success. Um, and what were their skill sets, you know, what were their characteristics? Uh, and so that's really why it really propelled me from that ayahuasca journey, uh, to move cross country and to move to an area where I can be thriving around people who were supporting this idea of growth. I mean, this is the birthplace of innovation. So why they were like-minded absolutely, absolutely. And you're learning at this exponential rate because it's so different than this perfection driven, um, culture that I was born into. Sure. So, but the, the ayahuasca journey, you know, and, and is, is something I definitely have on my list of things to do ASAP. Oh, um, yes. and I'm really excited for it. Um, but if, if someone's more reluctant and hesitant rather to, um, to do something like that, that's okay. I think that the key takeaway here is, is that you found your path. You didn't know whether you're going to drive down it, walk down it, ride a bicycle down it, but you were going to go down this path. And it led you to San Francisco, as, as you know, as, as you mentioned, and it, it led to open up and led to all these other doors and building a new community, et cetera. And the other key takeaway is you don't know unless you try. Self-doubt is inevitable. It, it is going to happen. Right. And, and anyone that thinks failure, uh, success is just success on its own. Failure is the partner to success. It goes hand in hand. You cannot have one without the other. So um, again, for everyone out there, as I commend you for taking that risk, as, as you said, you lost a community after your um, your first husband and that, that divorce, and now here you are, a big fish in Chicago, but you decide to venture out. Now you're a little fish in a sea, essentially. <laughs> and I definitely relate to that because I was definitely a big fish in Chicago in my profession in modeling. And everyone knew me. I could walk into a room and I was like, oh, hey, Justin, whatever. And, you know, it it didn't necessarily go to my head in a conceited way, but it definitely gave me confidence that I didn't have to worry about self-doubt in that that regard. I move here and I'm like, oh, uh, there's... 90 of me, you know, I was like, I definitely have a unique personality. I got that going for me, but I definitely had some self-doubt. I had been modeling by the time I moved here for 13 years and I'm now going to castings with butterflies in my stomach and I have self-doubt like, am am I worthy of, you know, so it definitely messes with you. And again, I just want people to manage their expectations because it is a part of every single person. I don't care how successful you are or where you are in your life. Um, and, and comfort and growth, as I always say, cannot coexist. No. And part of my growth process is really, I can attest it to self-acceptance and the self-growth and self-love, which is so important. I always tell people who are kind of going through some things and people pleasers, right? I say, listen, the more you love yourself, I promise you, everyone around you will benefit and will thank you for it. Absolutely. So as you mentioned your bedtime routine, which is a form of self-love, I know it's gratitude, but it is a form of self-love and obviously a form of love between your husband and you. Um, What else can you attest um, self-love, self-care? What what does that mean to you? Where does that rank in your life of priorities? Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, I've created several different videos (laughs) about this. And and one of the tools uh, inside of my my first book, Emotional Grit, Mm -hmm. uh, is, is another acronym hello uh you know love love the acronyms here uh but 
you know, I think that self-love is the foundation to who you are every day. I don't know if I share this with you, but um, before I actually uh, got married again um, and found my husband, I actually married myself um, in Bali uh, in 2015. Wow. Is this before the ayahuasca journey? Uh, this was uh, this was actually after the ayahuasca journey. Wow. So you had your ayahuasca journey where it's everything made sense now. It was so clear. And then you go to marry yourself in Bali. Talk about self-love. Let's talk about so, it. So some people would think that, oh, girl, is that, that's woo-woo. What, what's <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's yeah. up with you? What planet are you on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but really, what, what I mean by marrying myself, uh, you know, this was really an acknowledgement of my worth. And mm. I think for so long and for so many women, I can resonate. Like I was looking for worthiness in other people. Yeah. I was looking for acceptance because I was obviously so different, you know, mm-hmm. having already, you know, being mixed lineage and then people aren't trying to figure out what you are, who you are. That's sure. a different story. Yeah, yeah. But then also it's like, when you get to talk about, oh, what do your parents do? You know, that's like mm. the quintessential question as a younger person. Sure. Um, I didn't want to get into that. I didn't mm. want the pity. I didn't want to get into that. So I started becoming a, you know, question asker. Mm. Um, but going back to, you know, really understanding instead of serving so many people and being that people mm-hmm. pleaser, mm-hmm. I could only, only do that for myself first. Sure. And which has been, you know, such a monumental uh, point in everything that I do. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the key mottos, you know, that I, that I teach now is, is, yes, to serve love. I even wear it on my wrist. Mm. Uh, but it's to serve love to you first, mm. to fill your cup up first. And I'm a mom, you guys, <laughs> to a toddler that needs me. So that's hard. Uh, and sometimes, you know, he's crying in the morning and mm-hmm. I'll let him cry for an extra two or three minutes. Sure. Just so I can get my breathing in, you know, yeah. and, and, and yeah. And w- one of the things that um, has been so monumental for so many people reading the book is uh, this concept that I coined called Formas, which is mm. basically your own rituals of your own self-care that you can do daily mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or whenever you're in a stressful moment or in, you know, during stressful times. And basically it's movement mantras, which you already know, which mm-hmm. are affirmations that you can pick, yep. uh, right? The one that actually led me through my deepest, darkest days, mm-hmm. uh, which were, I am bold, I am brave and I'm beautiful. And, mm-hmm. and those were, those were, that was the mantra yeah. music, you know, we all mm-hmm. got playlists that sure. get us in the mood and all kinds of moods. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason why Spotify and wherever, you know, yeah. r- exists, yeah. right? Sure. Um, and movement. Mm-hmm. I think movement, you know, really understanding emotional health and mental fitness, which of course is a big word for this year, yeah. for so many people, yeah. you know, really being able to move that emotional energy that many times is stuck, mm-hmm. stuck because we want to avoid this pain. We want to yeah. avoid what we're going through. We want to avoid the emotions. So we numb it with a lot sure. of things. Distractions, you name Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Vices. Yeah. Yeah. Vices, distractions. I mean, mm-hmm. working, workaholic, right? Yeah. yeah. 
So, um, and then appreciation, that's the A, and then sense or sensory experiences, right? There's, mm. there's a reason why when you're not feeling good, you put on that favorite sweatshirt yeah. that's probably got rips and holes <laughs> in it, you know, yeah. but you've kept it. There's a reason yeah. why you wear those fuzzy socks. Sure. Uh, there's a reason why when you go home to your mom's house, mm. you, you can smell the aroma of that uh, mac and cheese that she used to yeah. make when you were like 10, and that yeah. brings you home, that's comfort. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that if you create your own tools of whatever that looks like, whether yeah. it's podcast shows or, sure. you know, saving this episode and re-listening to yeah. it over yeah. and over again as mm-hmm. one of your emotional grit tools, sure. you know, I, I think it can easily snap us back into, yeah. okay, I've got this. Yeah. I'm having a, ha- a hard day. Yeah. I'm serving everyone but myself, but you yeah. know what? This is my, this is my time for me. Yeah, well, like you said earlier about you and your husband, it brings you guys back to center. And everyone needs a self-care package of sorts, if you will, for lack of a better term, to bring them back to center, to, to, to bring everything back to, okay, I'm going to be okay. This is why I started. This is where I'm going. I'm good now, right? But a lot of people consider self-love as selfish. Mm-hmm. You know, well, what about this person? No, I need to do that. I need to be here for my son. I need to be here for my wife. I need to be here for my friend. But you're going to run yourself thin. That is not sustainable. You're going to burn out. <laughs> I, I, I always use the analogy of a car. If you decide to get in the car in LA and we decide to drive home to Chicago, I'm pretty sure we're going to have to stop and get gas along the way. That's self-love for our car, okay? <laughs> that is the self-love for you. You are going to burn out. You are going to run out of gas. And again, the more your tank is full, the more you can definitely, because it's going to overfill, it's going to overflow. Spread that love, right? And as, as much as our loved ones, as we try to please them, they want to see us happy, right? They want to see us good. Well, that's on us then, right? Again, that, that self-care package, those, those tools as you've had another acronym, which is great. And I'll make sure everyone knows the <laughs> books and the Global Grit and the, and the YouTube and the podcast and the Instagram. We'll, we'll make sure we get all this. But um, and kind of trying to wrap up the episode and some final takeaways is, is you know, we've, we've talked about so much is going to help so many people. What do you think is if you can kind of pick one or two things from the conversation today, what do you think are some of the things that you hope and you want people to be able to relate to the most? Yeah, that, you know, I think part of the human experience is going through the ups and downs. And, you know, many of us will be hit by things happening. Things uh, happening outside of our control. Um, Maybe trauma's happening. Uh, And I think it depends on your ability to hone in on the self-care practices mm-hmm. um, maybe that you've listened to this episode or maybe that it sparked something for you yeah. to dig inside of yourself to know that you you totally got this yeah I think that's the biggest the biggest takeaway because sure. we you know pain is part of what we go through every single day we're gonna yeah. get rejected we're gonna get laid off we're gonna yeah. want to leave a relationship we, we're gonna want to say uncomfortable things to people that mean so much to us sure absolutely and I think it depends on your mindset and your awareness like you were talking about yeah uh, to be the beginning of okay mm-hmm. can I make a better decision yeah and and how can I take care of myself in the process as well? Yeah, yeah. And self-care is not selfish. No. It's, it's self it's first. Im- it's important. <laughs> it's necessary. It, is, it should be at the forefront of the priority list and as, almost as number one. But the other thing is, is I'm a huge component of this. It's like one of my life mottos is control what's in your control. Absolutely. And a lot of people know that but they needed a friendly reminder every now and then because what is actually in our control in life, hello COVID, 
okay, when no one saw this coming, we can't control this. This much is in our control. And whatever that is in your control, master it. Perfect it as much as you can. Don't be too hard on yourself. Accept the self-doubt. We know that that's coming. Keep it moving. So good. Yeah. And and, and I think this is the perfect time now to uh, move on to our rapid fire questions. So we have five questions. Nita's not prepared for this. She has no idea what's going to be asked to her. Um, But that's the point because I think it's important to, and I think it's great to have everyone's raw, authentic answer and response. So first question is... Who is or was your role model? Ooh, um, gosh, I have so many. I I have to say, first and foremost, my father. Okay. Yeah, he's the one that, uh, yeah, been there for me. Right. And was a uh, an avid an avid reader, and we talked right before we started filming. He gives you at 14 years old the seven habits of highly Heavy's effective people at 14 years old. Stephen Covey. Stephen Covey. Yeah. Jeez, good for him. That I wanted to flush down the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, okay, I'm gonna watch the Bulls, right? Um, number two, what does your dream life look like? Mm, well, I would have to say I am a water baby. Yeah. So I have to be by the water sure. uh, with the people that I love mm. doing the things that I love. I love it. That's great. Um, number three, what's the best advice you've ever received? Mm. Oh, so good. So good. Which one shall I pick? Yeah. Mm. Uh, okay. I, I, I think it, it was during, uh, some of my losses. Mm -hmm. Um, but that, you know, these times Mm -hmm. are meant to shape you. Mm. Yeah. I love it. Uh, number four. And every time I have a woman on the show as a guest for selfish reasons, I have to ask this question as my daughter's 12, almost a teenager. And I, my question is really to be able to relay this to her when the time comes, what advice would you give teenager Nita. Mm. Obviously, your teenage years were, we talked about it. Okay. We talked about it. I get it. A, re- a regular teenager. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> but, but even, even to myself, but I think for, for, for younger, younger self, mm-hmm. uh, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Make as many mistakes yeah. as possible. Yeah. Don't be afraid to speak your voice because your voice can be the catalyst for somebody else mm. and speak it loud and proud. 100%. And I'm sure your voice as you are a motivational speaker and international speaker has helped out so many people who have gone through so many similar things that, that you've gone through. And that's a perfect segue to my last and final question, which is what do you admire most about you? Mm. I think my ability to galvanize people around a particular topic and really make them feel good about themselves. I love it. Kind of the light in the room kind of scenario. So uh, before we, I have a, a I, always, I always close with one way, which is a uh, acknowledge a moment for my guests, which I'll get to. But before we do, um, again, as your resume is lengthy, uh, what's next for you? What are you working on? What do you want people to go to now? Uh, prepare for for later 
Where can people find you? Let everyone know who Nita is a little bit more. Yeah, so we have this amazing uh, online community. If you are looking to build your mental fitness, uh, one of the most exciting things that my husband and I actually had put together during this entire time was access to resources uh, Mm -hmm. because community, you know, never before now has been so, so important and being around like-minded people Mm -hmm. um, and getting access to trainings and things to really up level your growth and connection and just your overall well-being so uh so yeah come come and play at at global grit for sure and the podcast is coming soon yeah oh yes our podcast is is launching it's launching in the fall of and it is called the brave table i love it where we talk about all things that (laughs) are ruffling some feathers over at the brave table yeah and i'm again i'll make sure i put all the websites (laughs) the links the books um people will definitely be able to find you Um, And again, I always end with an acknowledgement moment for my guest. In a busy world that we all live in, pandemic or no pandemic, um, we often forget who we are, where we came from, and where we are today. And I just wanted to acknowledge you and say that um, I, and I know I can speak on behalf of everyone else, appreciate you and what you do, all that you went through, all that you endured, and deciding to make the choice of, this is not going to ultimately define me. I will be better. I will be okay. I'm going to get through this. Um, Your son and your husband are the lucky ones, right? We all are. But again, your son to be able to look up to a mom like you are will, uh, as I know you, you know, it's coming, but that day will be a day you'll never forget. So he has a lot to look up to and uh, keep, please keep aspiring to inspire as you've inspired me and you will everyone else watching this. Thank you for your time. Thank you for doing this. And uh, we'll have to do it again. Definitely. This was amazing. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Cut. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.